How's it going, fellas? I've never been I've never been a special guest before. <laughs> I love it. I'm honored to have you guys both on for our first live episode. It's great. Yeah. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Nice to meet you as well, Greg. I've, I've never spoke with you in person. I spoke with Mark on the phone a couple of times, um, but mm-hmm. it's it's good to put faces with names finally and, you know, talk a little bit about XFL. Yeah, always excited to talk XFL. And this is the, I know I've done numerous podcasts with Mark over at XFL Board, but this is the first time I'm getting to see him somewhat face-to-face here. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I appreciate you guys both coming on. Like I said, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, we got you know multiple subjects my co-host drew he had something come up so he's not able to attend tonight so it'll just be us um this should stream out everywhere after we get done i'll put it out on all the you know streaming podcast networks as well like i've done originally with my show so guys how's it going are are we how are we feeling for the xfl 2024 how's that general feeling with you both go ahead greg i you know cautiously optimistic i don't think uh, there's any reason not to be. We just had the rookie draft, which has gotten some people excited. You know, we're adding more players to the roster, which is always fun. It's it's always a lot more fun to me to be able to talk about players and schemes and how they fit into things as opposed to, you know, how much money uh, is the XFL putting in? How much money is ownership putting in? How much money can they afford to lose? All that stuff that I know we'll get to later in the show, but it, it certainly is more fun to kind of put that stuff on the back burner and, and talk actual on-the-field football. And I, I think the rookie draft coming and going here in the last week gives us an opportunity to do that but obviously you know the nuts and bolts you got to talk about uh the money the financials you know the xfl has made some news in the offseason related to that related to um you know the vegas situation and rod woodson being let go as head coach so uh for the offseason there has been a lot to talk about yes sir yes sir mark well i'm excited that there's been another xfl season and it's it was brought to completion i mean as you can see, I'm wearing my Los Angeles Extreme jersey just for the occasion because that was the last time there was an XFL that went to the championship and finished. Of course, we all know what happened after that. Um, so, and this XFL, it did the same thing and it made it through and there was no, I mean, there was some some speed bumps along the way. And if that, I mean, why wouldn't we expect that? I mean, that's got to be expected. Mm-hmm. And it went to completion. And you know what? The one thing that I was kind of worried about was after the championship game, I kind of had a countdown. I said, if this thing goes for one more month without folding, then it's probably going to go to next year. Because that's what happened before. It was the rumors of the league folding happened about a month after it ended, and even in 20, uh, 2020, it was they said, yeah, yeah, we're, we have a pandemic, but we're going to go another season. Don't worry about it. And then about a month after that, they kind of said, well, hang on. This is not working out. This time, we didn't get that. They, In fact, they've said, this is working out. And they keep telling us it's working out. And they're trying to make us believe it. And... Um, of course, that's the way to they're they're continuing to market the league as it's going to the next season. So here we are. It's now past a month, past the end of the season, and they're still going. They're talking rookies, rookie drafts. They're talking showcases. They're still spending the money. Mm-hmm. So off we go. Yeah, it seems like the progress is there. Um, since we're going to go ahead and talk about this, Let's just go ahead and pop this segment up. The XFL lost margins. We're going to go ahead and hit on the bad first here, fellas. That's okay. Um, as we all know here, uh, it's reported XFL lost $60 million first year. Now, that's debatable on how we look at a loss. Uh, I'm sure you guys both have written articles about it. Uh, let me see. I have some stuff I can share with the fans at home on my screen. This article was by Sports Illustrated. Um, per report, XFL estimated 60 million loss. 
Now, with that 60 million loss, we had a lot of cuts. I knew a few people that I had relationships with within the league that were actually cut. Um, you guys got any opinions on this? What, what do you think in terms of longevity? Is this something we're looking at that's going to affect the completion of a 2024 season? I mean, you know, the way I look at it is starting up a football league is very expensive. I think we all knew that going in. We all knew that from experience of XFL 2020, XFL 2001, if you've been around that long, and other spring leagues as well. I mean, the the cost to get something like this off the ground is extraordinary. The good news is a lot of these costs that fall under the $60 million loss um, is just incurred once because it's a startup cost. So yes, it's going to cost money to keep this league moving forward, but there are a lot of costs associated with starting up the league that are not going to be felt in the future years. And so that's kind of, I know you said we're starting with the bad news and certainly losing $60 million, you know, is, is bad. Um, But, you know, I, I, without the context of knowing like bad compared to what, like what were the startup costs for other leagues? You know, how, what was the uh, projection by ownership of how much they were going to lose because they were going to lose. I mean, there, there's no way to make money in your first year in this sort of business. Uh, because as I talked about, the startup costs are just so monumental. So the, the one thing that I sort of hang my hat on with this number, as far as a positive is, just the sheer startup costs for something like this. Um, you know, they've got that out of the way now. They've moved past that. And yes, it's going to continue to be expensive to run the league in years two, three, four. But a lot of those startup costs that bogged that number down are, are not going to be there moving forward. And hopefully, you know, we saw in that same article that cited the $60 million loss that the XFL um, ownership expects revenue to hit a hundred million dollars in 2024. Now that's not profit. Let's, let's make that very clear. That's not profit. That's revenue. So, you know, we're talking gross, not net. Um, But you know, that that's a pretty positive number, especially, and I know there's a lot of discussion now about um, the, you know, we go back to the television deal with ESPN and are they, or are they not getting a substantial windfall financially from ESPN? Um, so, you know, if you think you're going to have a hundred million dollars in revenue in 2024, and none of that is going to come from a television deal, which by the way, is the reason people get into this business. They get into live sports to make money on television deals. So if you're going to make a hundred million dollars in revenue in year two, without getting anything substantial from your television uh, network provider, then that seems like a pretty good deal to me. Um, But I don't know, Mark, what's your take on that? Well, we knew they were going to lose money. I mean, it's, and it's called an investment. So every other XFL 2001, 2020, they went into that first season knowing that this is going to cost us because they have to, you know, the setup costs and the startup costs. So, so here we are. It's the same scenario again. So this time it's reported to be 60 million. We can't actually see the spreadsheet or that or, you know the accountant has with the with the revenues and and expenditures. Of course not. So we just kind of have to rely on that. But I think the most important thing to take out of what happened aside from the reports that were in the media is that yeah they're going to go they're going to do it again and they're predicting the, as Greg said the 100 million revenue for the next season well that's all well and good but you know as you pointed out Matthew there was layoffs so they're they pointed out that they need to restructure some things so okay so they're on top of it so for them to be able to get to that revenue point that they predicted they obviously need to restructure some things. So without them shooting themselves and saying, we screwed up, they're basically saying, yeah, we screwed up some things. We didn't do some things right. Well, we, we know that. I mean, we, we don't want to, in fact, there's no reason to harp on it, but 
some of the, I mean, the marketing and the ticket sales were very late. Yes, yes, indeed. Schedule changes. I, I spoke to the somebody who was very high up in the league in 2020, and they they speak to me off the record usually, like so. But it was like he said it was night and day. In 2020, we focused on marketing and they focused on doing all the right things and getting getting the fans to buy tickets. And then it almost seemed like they forgot to do that in this this league. And it shows. I think they they suffered on the in the balance sheet. We don't know by how much because we'll never know those numbers. But they did, and, and it's obvious they did because now they're restructuring and they're they're reorganizing themselves so they could do a better job in that. So I think. Greg and I are both watching right now. They say they're going to hire some new people and do a better job, but we're waiting to see what they're going to do. Like, I mean, the, we're looking for clues that they're actually doing something differently. So we'll just wait and see on that. But the other thing I want to point out is that when that 60 million news comes out, came out, it, there was a moment that reminded me a bit of the XFL in 2001 because some media outlets just took that and ran with it. Oh, look at the XFL. They're losing money. The Rock is losing money. Like, you know, Hot post a picture of The Rock in the poorhouse, which is like, like it's his money to begin with, right? <laughs> right, right. But that was like, you know, let's take this and let's get some clickbait yeah. out of it and let's, let's just flash this around. So some media outlets did that. Um, so, I mean, and we never saw that. We saw that in 2001, and I guess clickbait is still valuable in 2020. And website clicks really do it for some folks. Oh, yeah. Um, like you guys, you had a solid website. It's worth looking at. If you haven't checked it out, <laughs> guys at home, check it out, xflboard.com. Worth checking out, seriously. Um, we knew the marketing was bad. I mean, anybody who was a fan in 2020 knew the difference. We were yeah. waiting in anticipation for months before we got the schedule, before we got news of teams. Uh, just the late Vegas kind of rubbed me wrong from the get go, just from the from the jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a successful year and it went well. So we'll see. I know it was reported, Greg, you reported that they didn't provide much of a marketing budget. That's correct, right? Yeah, there was an article that cited, um, I think it was 120,000 for marketing. And as I go back and read that article and reread it when I cite it and some of the stories that I write, it's it's up for debate, I guess, how you read it, whether that was the full marketing budget or whether it was uh, digital marketing, because the, that paragraph that that number was cited in was about digital marketing. So I could never really figure out if that the author meant it was $120,000 for all marketing or $120,000 for just digital marketing. But uh, it's been accepted, I guess, that it's $120,000 for, for all marketing. And so, you know, that that had to have been a conscious decision by XFL ownership to spend that level of money on marketing, which again, when you compare it to XFL 2020, it seems like a drop in the bucket because it seemed like XFL 2020 was all over. They were in local markets way more, a lot more advertising in in local markets, a lot more national advertising on the networks and things like that back in 2020. So, you know, you do wonder, you mentioned Matthew, the Vegas situation, obviously, that that held the XFL back in a lot of ways, not just scheduling, but the ability to sell individual game tickets. You could kind of sell season tickets, but you couldn't sell individual game tickets without knowing, you know, where the Vegas schedule was going to slot in. And it wasn't just Vegas. It was all markets. You couldn't sell individual tickets for any of the markets. And Vegas is playing all of these teams throughout the course of the year. So it was just, it held everything back. And I do wonder, um, whether it affected the marketing, you know, you couldn't really get out there and advertise all of these individual games. If you didn't know when they were going to take place, because Vegas didn't have a venue yet and you didn't have the full schedule yet. So, you know, hopefully all of that stuff is going to settle itself in year two. We saw a recent post by the rock on Instagram and Twitter, Danny Garcia, um, an ownership meeting, a a management meeting uh, recently taking place among XFL higher ups. 
uh, among Redbird Capital higher-ups. Uh, former CNN head Jeff Zucker was there as well. He's now a bigwig in uh, Redbird Capital. So, uh, you know, this meeting of the minds, so to speak, and, and The Rock even mentioned in his post about the meeting that, hey, we learned some lessons from year one. We're, we're making changes for year two. And you just hope that those changes include an expanded marketing to really get the word out about the XFL because, you know, ratings were good. Um, attendance was okay. But you think about how much better they could be with a little bit more effort and money put into the marketing side of it. Yeah, definitely more community engagement. We need mm-hmm. some citywide Absolutely. stuff going. Um, we've been preaching that. Most of us on the social media and digital media end, we really know that we drove this league home. Uh, just looking at engagement numbers alone, I mean, our show covered a lot, and I'm sure your website covered a lot also. So, I mean, we should be proud of what we provided for the XFL, no doubt. Uh, Appreciate you guys and that opinion. You got anything else on that, Mark, before we move on? Yeah, I, I agree with you. The, web, the XFL should pay some credence to us and what we do. And they do. And I know they do. But, uh, yeah, don't ever forget it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, They're always on their side, even though I think, they may not think so. I attended five games. And, I mean, that came out of my pocket. I'm not getting paid for this. This is all fan love. So, <laughs> right. anyway. There's a lot of love, mostly. It's a lot, a lot of it comes from the heart. Like, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Next up, let's talk about our our next negative thing for tonight. Um, this will be the last one. Uh, it's the Vegas Vipers and Rod Woodson. He isn't terminated. I got that. Got a little. Got a little crooked on that. I know, but it was a it, mutual. Yep. Yep. In my in my mind, I'm thinking. Was it really mutual? Was it? So, I don't know. Let's see what you guys think. Well, I'll start with and leave it to Greg to finish. I don't think it was mutual, but it is what it is. And that coaches coaches leave for different reasons. Yes, sir. And there may have been a, a falling out or may have an argument. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so it was mutual. I think, the from my point of view, the, the next point – is well, who are they going to hire and when are they going to hire somebody? They better not delay it. Uh, Greg? Yeah, I, I agree. It's something like this is rarely mutual, especially in, in year one, you know, after one year. Um, I, I agree that it, it's sort of concerning and it's, it feels like poor Vegas, you know. It, it is concerning because here we go, you know, we're going forward with the rookie draft. We have Vegas's. Uh, director of player personnel making the picks, but you know, he's, he's making the picks without knowing the preference of his coaching staff, without knowing what schemes they're going to run. So he's really running blind there. And now we've got, we're running into the showcases. So we've seen Terrell Buckley and we've seen Reggie Barlow, two XFL head coaches who have been on the field for the first couple of show, showcases, the HBCU showcase last weekend and the uh, showcase in Atlanta. And you know, Vegas, by virtue of not having a head coach or a coaching staff, doesn't have those boots on the ground to scout these players. So they were behind the eight ball in one way in year one by not having a stadium, by not being able to sell tickets in a timely manner. And now they're finding themselves behind the eight ball in a different way in year two because we don't have a head coach. And because we don't have a head coach, we don't have a coaching staff for this team. And so, you know, luckily it's it's not um, – uh, it doesn't sound like the the player acquisition process is going to be constant throughout the summer. It sounds like there's going to be several drafts that are going to take place where the team is going to be able to acquire players. So, uh, you know, by the next draft, which is according to XFL News Hub's Mike Mitchell is going to be around September time. They ought to have a head coach by then. <laughs> Fingers we crossed. Hope. We hope. But yeah, it, it's it's kind of. Uh, a situation where, you know, the DPP is drafting players that they hope fit into whatever scheme. And the, the XFL has been very slow in their processes, uh, at least leading up to year one. I know that they want to get the head coach selection right because that's a big deal. But we can't be sitting here a month and a half, two months from now, still not having a head coach for the Vegas team. I mean, this has got to be something. Every general manager of any sports franchise always has a short list 
of coaching candidates that they keep no matter what, just in case something happens. And hopefully Russ Brandon, Doug Whaley, all the people in the XFL front office had a short list of candidates um, were something to happen, whether a coach left or they needed to get rid of a coach, um, that they could you know, be on the phone in the ensuing days with these candidates to, to gauge their interest. So uh, hopefully this is a spot that gets filled soon. Uh, because, you know, it's it's important that the XFL shows fans that, hey, we're on the ball here. We're, we're not asleep at the wheel on, on some of these big decisions. Yeah, I mean, the fan base is there for Vegas. They're not the largest, but they definitely have a following. So I know the fans that are there are really wondering what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just need some kind of direction, like you said. What, what kind of offense are we going to run? What, what are we going to do defensively? A lot of questions there. Other than field quality, a lot of questions there too. But I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're going to be answered to people's uh, liking if they, you know, staying there for year two as it looks like it's going to be. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, but of course there there was some rumors of them leaving in year two, which it's you know what rumors is all they are right now. Mm-hmm. I know Greg wrote a piece for XFL board that talks about well, what would be the pros and cons of leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was based on an if they leave, of and course, right? Yeah, and that, that's another thing that you know if if they do, um, that's going to be another thing that's going to be have to be decided awful soon. You know, they've already started taking season ticket deposits for mm-hmm. year two in Vegas, so they'd have to disperse those back to the people. And um, you know, it's 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 a long process, and so um, I would say as each day goes by that we don't hear anything about that, it's a, a day closer to the idea that Vegas is for better or worse, sticking around as a city for the XFL for year two. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Mark, you got anything else before we move on? Yeah. I hope, I hope Vegas sticks around and they make, make it, make it work. Um, frankly, I don't, I think there's some questions on why they went to Vegas, but now that they're there, you know, make it work. Um, Vegas worked in 2001 for the XFL, but everything's changed since 2001. That's yeah. that's ancient history, especially in Vegas. Oof. Yeah, yeah. So um, they wanted to get out of LA. The old XFL, or sorry, 2020, I call them old. 2020 XFL wanted to stay in LA. Their plan was to stay in LA and make it work in LA because LA market they felt was a big market, and that, in fact, that was a Vince McMahon decision and he wanted to stay in LA he wanted LA to work but they needed to work on LA to make it work that was their but of course that the league folded and so that was that ended unfortunate that was a huge battle <coughs> back then as you see now I got my Houston gear on proudly <laughs> oh god guys let's move on to some good stuff uh, Let's look at the XFL to NFL signings. Now, I've got some stuff pulled up. I believe you guys just put out an article today that was pretty good. Um, no, I'm sorry. That was not you. Let's no. Let me check. Let me check. <laughs> we did put out a pretty good article today that was by us, and that was me looking at the yeah. XFL rookie draft. But yes, probably sir. you're talking about something different. But, yes, I, I wanted yeah. to stipulate to that. Well, <laughs> talking about XFL to NFL signings, I mean, yeah, there's is, is it? Greg, has there been more signings this year than 2020? Uh, I don't have the 2020 number off the top of my head. I do know we're up to 30. 29 are active because Jacquez Patrick was released by the Broncos, but he still counts as having been signed. So that, that makes 30. And, you know, the thing to keep in mind too, is we're only in uh, June. I almost said July getting ahead of myself, but we're only in June. And, you know, if, you paid attention to the NFL and its training camp. Um, they're daily transactions uh, right. made by teams, uh, releasing players off the roster, signing other players. So uh, 30 is not going to be the end of it. We're going to see more once training camp hits, once uh, injuries hit and they need some, some replacements they're going to draw from XFL guys. So, um, you know, it, it's certainly going to be a higher number, by the time August, September rolls around. You kind of feel for these players because they get their opportunity and they're, they're you know, it's still, as Greg pointed out, it's still early. So they have to go to a training camp. They have to make it through that training camp and they have to, you know, win a spot on the roster. 
Mm -hmm. The 53-man roster, as The Rock always wants to tell us about. So a lot of, you know, a lot of these players are going to go there. They're going to get some experience, and they're going to end up off the 53-man roster again. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's football, right? I mean, I think it sucks, frankly, but, I mean, that's the way it goes. It's a numbers (laughs) game. But So, again, you know, it'll be 54th man again and possibly come back to the XFL. If they do come back, the league keeps saying the fact that they'll go back to their uh, owning team. So, I was trying to pull up a list, guys, and I was having some issues on my end. So, you know, just in case there's any notable names that you saw that had been updated recently. Yeah, no, we we just had one the other day. Uh, San Antonio lost their long snapper and their kicker now. uh, They're going to have to fortify their special teams. And, you know, of course, some of the really I mean, I I think what surprises me is the big names that haven't been signed yet. You know, Abram Smith, you've got Peter Talmoa Penu from from Vegas. Um, You know, you've got some really uh, standout performers in uh, the XFL this year who have not signed yet. And you wonder what the deal is, whether or not they're kind of, you know, the, the XFL player started in January for training camp, five weeks of training camp. They played a 10 week regular season. Some of them played two games in the playoffs. So there might be some guys who just need to rest their bodies. You know, they're not really excited to jump back into the wear and tear and the grind right away. So some of these names, they may be guys looking at, okay, let me sit back. I'm not going to, I don't need to be at minicamp. I don't need to be at OTAs, but I'll sign, you know, I know there's interest in me. My agent knows there's interest in me. I'll sign before training camp so that I can get in once the, once the grind really starts. So you do wonder if that's a decision that some XFL players are making of those uh, bigger names who haven't signed yet. And then you got guys like AJ McCarron that are just got to decide um, what they want to do. Do they want to go back to, the grind of the NFL and be away from their families. You know, family was a big focus of telling AJ McCarron's story by the XFL this year. And, you know, sometimes the NFL, as much as everybody wants to be there because it is the the top of the ladder when it comes to the NFL, it kind of wears away your love of the game. Sometimes, you know, it's very stressful. You're always, especially a lot of these XFL guys, they're 51st, 52nd, 53rd men on the roster who could be cut any day. It's and a business, if you're an a- no doubt. Yeah, it is. And, mm-hmm. and if you're an A.J. McCarron, do you want to deal with that? Or do you just want to go play and have fun, which is obviously what he was doing in the XFL? So um, it, depending on where these guys are in their lives, they, they may think that, um, you know, hey, the XFL is paying me good money and I get to go out there and have fun and, and be with my family more. And that's my priority right now. Yeah, AJ McCarron did the NFL, and his his sons important to him. Got to see him stand on the sidelines with a clipboard or an iPad most of the time, and it's like, oh, now he's with St. Louis BattleHawks, and he's a hero. And it's, it's yeah. some as some would judge, he's probably the top quarterback this past year in in many ways. Um, he's definitely in the top three. Uh, yes, sir. I, I would call him the top one, but that's I don't really get a vote on that. I'm a big fan of him as well in yeah. terms of skill. Um, good. He's good. Yeah. He's, he's got the choice to do what he wants, no doubt. But I think he'll be here again because uh, he's doing it for the love. Um, yeah. yeah. That's what it seems like. But, yeah, guys, I'm curious how many of these teams are going to look different next year um, in terms of, you know, like D.C. Are they going to be a heavy passing attack or is it going to be run game again? We still got Jordan and, and um, Abram Smith, but, I mean, what? what's what's happening with the rest of the team so curious to see what happens appreciate your insight Mm. yeah it's it's gonna be fun to see um how many changes because again you know we're in uncharted territory for the xfl we've never had a season two yet so this is the the third iteration of the xfl but we've never seen teams come back for a second year and seen how um you know, who they acquire in the off season to replace some of the guys that they had in season one, uh, how many players from the first season go to the NFL and stay there, or, you know, maybe go to the CFL as we saw Colin Kelly with the Seattle sea dragons, go back to the CFL uh, this season. So that's one of the fun things is seeing, okay, who, who's gone 
And who are the stars, the future stars that are going to replace them? You know, who's going to be this year's AJ McCarron? Who's going to be this year's Ben DiNucci if he sticks with the Denver Broncos? So um, that's really one of the fun things that I'm looking forward to for season two is, you know, there's a lot of guys on NFL rosters right now training camp rosters who are going to be in the XFL in season two, just like there was last year around this time. A lot of players in the NFL on training camp rosters who ended up in the first season of the XFL. So uh, trying to figure out who those guys are and where they would fit is, is something uh, that I look forward to. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of turnover. I think some teams will be 50% new players, at least. Um, and you look in the, of course, they're all going to try to pad their O lines, I think, and try to get improve their O lines because that's always a big gap for a lot of these teams. And you're talking about DC defenders, whether they're going to be a running team or not. Well, I guess it depends on what their O line looks like next year, whether they can run the ball or not. Last year it was good, except for that last game. It was a little choppy. <laughs> well, they were supposed to win that game, but <laughs> yeah, it was a shock and awe, especially in person. Yeah. I really expected that. Yeah. Uh, do you guys see any coaching changes occurring? Anything notable that you've heard, or anything that you think we may be looking at in terms of coaches? Greg. Well, you know, there were a couple of coaches uh, let go or reassigned during the season and season one um, Vegas uh, fired their offensive coordinator after I think three or four games, Uh, San Antonio went with a new offensive coordinator. So, uh, you know, they might be in the market for a new coordinator. The, uh, the only coaching departure that I'm aware of is Houston special teams coordinator, Greg McMahon uh, Mm -hmm. going to, Tulane University and, and is going to be their special teams uh, coordinator. So Houston could decide to hire a new special teams coordinator, or they could decide to um, add that on to someone who's already on staff. We saw a lot of teams do that this past year where um, a position coach was a special teams coordinator. I did a story talking to Orlando's special teams coordinator, who was also their wide receivers coach. Um, so it could be just a position that's reassigned. Um, you know, the XFL was not terribly transparent with coaching moves last year before the season or uh, during the season. You know, they released the list of coaching staffs before the season. But, you know, Dwayne Taylor was one of those guys for Vegas who didn't actually join the team until after the college season. There was no announcement made of that. Uh, there was no in-season announcement made of Dwayne Taylor's firing, of Jamie Elizondo being reassigned. Um in San Antonio, uh, in terms of, um, offensive coordinator, same with Orlando, you know, they moved from, um, Robert Ford to, um, uh, their quarterbacks coach to, to call plays and nothing was ever said publicly by the team or by the league about that. So uh, I do wonder how transparent they're going to be with coaching changes in the off season. They may just release a list of updated coaching staffs at some point in the next several months, but really right now it's, it's tough for coaches. And and I made this point in one of my articles. Um, yes. The XFL season is perfectly aligned with the NFL off season for players to join uh, NFL mini camps and to join teams that way, but it's not really great for coaches because all the NFL coaching staffs are filled up. You know, college coaching staffs are 95% filled up. So there really are not a lot of opportunities during the XFL off season for XFL coaches to move somewhere. Um, so I, I do wonder how many coaches have another place to go at this point, as opposed to just staying on staff if they're invited back. Do you think um, Antonio Brown would hire some up and all? <laughs> Sorry. What a mess. Do that. Do that. What a mess. I know. I know. We'll move forward. I just had to mention that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Anything else before we head on to the next topic? I think Greg hit upon a point uh, that <clears throat> they released a list of coaches and that had changed. But they, what I find is the XFL doesn't keep good lists of active lists. For example, their rosters on their website are very suspicious. Uh, yes, they, need to, they need to do better on that. And, for example, another one is the they just released a list of um, 
players that were claimed by teams uh, just the other, just yesterday, I think. Yeah, I think I have that. I'll pull right. it up. Okay. But um, <clears throat> those those started to appear on social media, players saying, yeah, I was claimed by the Houston Roughnecks and I was claimed by the D.C. Defenders. And that was all leaking out. And then all of a sudden, the, the league said, you know what, maybe we should release the list. <laughs> you have to. Keep <laughs> it official. Make it official. So that, that's not the first time they've done that. We've seen that over and over again, yep, where yep. things leak out, leak out, leak out, then they produce the list. So The Rod, the Rod Woodson firing. I mean, oh, it, was Whitson, yeah, an hour, it was an hour. It was 11 o'clock or 1130 on a Sunday night. They sent out the press release because an hour before word had broke that Woodson was gone. So it does feel like their communication staff is very reactionary. They either, are, that, yeah. either that or there are a lot of coincidences of timing here. <laughs> I don't yeah, think it's right. that. <laughs> it's the almost, Sunday night release was pretty telling there in yeah. the case. Yeah. Yeah, there's a disconnection there. It, it, I've seen it too. I mean, before we started with the whole podcast and news media stuff, I was just a fan trying to find the stuff. And honestly, I could see more on Twitter than what I've seen as actual media insider with yeah. the actual links and folders. And I mean, Twitter is the place to go. Personally, I learned my lesson about that because some things get released that aren't true. And then we're spreading around these articles that are not relevant or correct. So, yeah, that's happened a few times. You have to be careful. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. That was my first lesson in it. I really, really learned. It was uh, the Orlando drama down there. I really. Oh yes. Well, yeah. that was that was a debacle, and, yeah. and it, it was, was a debacle because it was released on social. And I mean, I actually had words with the person who released it, and they did not like my tone. <laughs> this guy's a young lad okay he's like a, he's a teenager that released this that he's the one that released so my question was well who told you about it well he wouldn't say of course but somebody's somebody in the xfl is releasing information to uh, a instagrammer oh no doubt so, so i mean the xfl needs to work on their own leaks and their own ship i think mm-hmm. Moving forward, guys, let's discuss the showcases that we had occur. I mean, the first one, of course, is the HBCU. It, it just happened, but we have more coming up. Um, I'm going to pull up some stuff on here, just some general information. Guys, what do you think? Did you see anything notable? Did either of you attend in person? Greg, I've seen you have attended some in the past. I didn't know if maybe you had went and, and checked it out. Uh, no, I, I went to the Florida one last year. Um and there's no Florida one this year. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be sitting this out. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much they're going to open them to the media this year either. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know how much it would be worth it to, to do. Um, but yeah, you know, this is an opportunity. I'm a little surprised they're continuing to do these open tryouts Although it's probably a moneymaker for them charging $260 a pop and getting, you know, anywhere from 100 to 150 players there. Um, probably not a lot of overhead for them to run these other than, you know, renting this, the field for the day or whatever the case may be. But, you know, with, with rosters as um, packed as they already are with the rookie draft, uh, with the, the draft that's going to happen in September from NFL training camp cuts, potentially supplemental drafts earlier in, in 2024. I mean, they have a lot of different ways to get players. And I mean, these are, these are pretty high level players. So, you know, it's a good opportunity. It's a, it's a, I think this is probably more of a, a good PR um, showcase for the XFL than actually, you know, and they did find players from showcases last year. So I don't want to poo poo the showcases too much, but you know, basically if there's tape on you, the XFL is going to find you. So yeah. I, I do wonder how necessary these showcases are. Um, I know six players, I wrote a column, six players from the HBCU showcase were invited to the XFL combine. That's going to take place at the end of July. I mean, that's six and there could be more eventually, you know, they, they could go back and look at the tape and say, Hey, let's invite this guy. But that's six out of over a hundred players wow. who are going to go to an NFL combine where you might, 
get the opportunity to be put in a, in another draft where you might get the opportunity to be chosen. So it does seem like a lot of hoops to jump through and you've got to pass a lot of different tests along the way to just even get your name into the draft. So, um, you know, it does make me wonder if, it, if it's worth it um, for the XFL to do, to do this because, you know, the, the, the chance of you uncovering a, a hidden gem, I guess, is pretty low at these things. But you never know. And, and like I said, it's it's good PR because the XFL is all about player 54. It's all about yes, giving players opportunities. So this is an opportunity laid out in front of the players. I'd, I'd like to see, um, you know, more background from the showcases coming up. Um, you know, last year, I think Greg pointed out that this year the, there's no um, – the media availability is not really being published. Well, it was the same thing last year. It was all kind of done very – last minute last year if you remember greg you went to the florida showcase but that was kind of a and that was before that was before the xfl had their own comms team too so this year it it should be a little more smooth since they have people in those positions now that's true so i'm waiting you know just kind of wait and see what happens matthew and uh, and then the other thing i'm waiting to see is are they filming these showcases? Because last year they had the film crew there and they produced the documentary, the Player 54 documentary series. Part of that was filmed at the initial showcases. I'm wondering if they're running that again. So my thoughts are, well, is Player 54 the documentary series? Is there a second season coming up? And we'll see hints of that if, if there's a film crew at those showcases. Because, um, you know, maybe that's what I'm curious about. And Greg, I agree with you that, yeah, they're really drumming up the business to get players excited about the XFL. But <clears throat> we all know that the number of spots is is going to be limited in the end. So maybe, yeah. you know, I guess they figure they might find a jewel in the rough and get, you know, get somebody that they, they never thought of. And that happens. Mm-hmm. That does happen. So I think it just fits right into their opportunity mantra. Yeah. Right. They're just giving people the chance. Now, sure. with that chance, I mean, if you really checked it out, I looked at the, the links and such. I mean, you have to pay to go to that. It's not something that's free. So yeah. uh, now, need be, if you do get selected by the NFL for anything, they will reimburse those costs. But it was a couple hundred dollars just to attend uh, the events themselves, you know, not including travel and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I actually had tried to attend the one in Atlanta. I'd emailed and emailed and emailed and attempted my best. Um, I heard the day previous about it, and it was too far for me to make that trek a day before. So mm-hmm. I did not attend. Right now, from what I understand from media contacts, that uh, they're going to have the people's teams that are in charge in those cities uh, be your connections to get your pass to that combine or showcase. Well, so, I'd, like, I'd like to tell you that that's better. Yes, sir. Because yes, you'll get better attention from the local uh, media people. In the well, team. that's going to be a problem for the Arizona showcase because there's no team there. Mm, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> it's a far ways out as well. I mean, <clears throat> my girlfriend's from that area. We considered going, but I mean, I, I just need like a month's notice to make these things happen and, I mean, and and to be honest with you, attending these as media is, you know, I I was able to talk to Anthony Beck. I was able to talk to Rod Woodson, to Terrell Buckley, to Doug Whaley. So, like, don't get me wrong. They they were very good about um, giving us some people to talk to. But, you know, where my interest lies, if you you read my stuff, you know, I I care about the players. I care about seeing them on the field, seeing the drills and and stuff like that. And you're not going to get a roster of players. They're keeping that a state secret. So if I go and I want to watch the action as media and report on what's happening or who's there, I'm going to be SOL because I'm not going to have that, that information. So, um, you know, and, and I know that, you know, last time they had a lot of head coaches at all these uh, showcases this year. I don't know if, how many head coaches are going to be at them. We saw Buckley and Barlow at the ones last weekend, but um, you know, are they going to be made available to interview? Yes. That's the question too. So yeah, I, I, I don't really know how much there is to glean from the showcases as media um, unless they do make 
a, a lot of folks available to for you to talk to one on one and and get some interview time with. Understood. Understood. Yeah, personally, I just like to get in there and give people an angle and then mm-hmm. just. I mean, we I've developed a lot of relationships just from attending and talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, great folks within the media on on the spring sports. Great mm-hmm. folks all the way around. Uh, guys, you got anything else before we move on? I'm just going to cover. We're going to cover the Nick Novak uh, showcase. I know it, he's got his own special <laughs> showcase. They partnered with him um, regarding specialists. Well, it must have worked out last year because they're doing it again. Yep, yep. And no, Novak's got a lot of. Uh, experience i mean he's yeah he's got a ton of experience as a specialist so i will say i was surprised during the season at the level of special skills that we had in terms of kicking you know john parker romo that man was Mm -hmm. a stud and we had many of punters that were great Uh, there was a lot of specialists that showed out this last year and and not only that, but a lot of them worked out at the specialist showcase. That was the one showcase last year where the XFL actually released the names of the participants. Yeah. So we could kind of cross check that with okay, who you know who's making the teams, and a lot of the the specialists that didn't make XFL teams did come out of this Nick Novak specialist showcase last year. So um, makes sense that the XFL would want to partner with him to run it again. Yeah, because so it's, for that. it's so important to have the right players in those in those spots. It's just so important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we should have some good stuff by October. That's the date on this. So I, I imagine there will be plenty of skill at that. And mm-hmm. hopefully we get some kind of view of that from the outside in. All right, let's move on, guys. I've got to get back to my screen. I apologize. So the last point I have, and this is the most important, I feel like, and you guys would probably agree, it's the rookie draft and the team's overview. Um, this was the article I saw that you released today, correct? About 12 yeah, hours ago, yeah. there was an article. Yeah, Greg, Greg produced a report of the it's, – it's actually the self-division report, so it's only really half the team. So I think there's a North Division report coming. Yeah, as soon as I'm as soon, as soon as I'm done here, I'm turning my chair around and getting back to work on my desk with the, <laughs> oh, with God, the slave North. Dri- I'm a right slave now. driver. I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> but I wouldn't have it. It's, wouldn't have it any other way. It's quite a complete list, and only something only Greg Parks can produce. In my experience, <laughs> Greg is the master at at players and knowing where these players have been and, and researching them and figuring out where. You know what their background is, so it's really appreciated what you can do, Greg. You're you're a master. This I agree is, with that. This is my uh, this is where I get to pour my heart and soul into my work because mm-hmm. you know uh, writing about television ratings is not my thing. Writing about relocation and, and Vegas moving is not why I do this. What you're looking at on the screen is why I do this. This is this is where. This is my fun. This is, you know, this is um, looking at uh, the players. Um, that chart that you see is a, a chart full of information about all the players, not only the players that were drafted, but the players uh, that were signed as free agents. And you can imagine uh, I had started this column um, before the list of undrafted free agents dropped. So then I had to go back and kind of rethink how I wanted to present the information and, and kind of not exactly start from scratch again, but had to sort of resituate all how I presented the information. And then um, under the chart, I list uh, the, the losses so far, the subtractions from the roster, whether it's players who've been released by teams or who've moved on to the NFL. Um, I did a paragraph kind of looking at how the team drafted, what trying to figure out what their philosophy was in, in how they drafted the players. And then I had a couple of questions that I answered, like uh, who is most likely to um, get playing time in 2024, who is uh, an undrafted gem out of the undrafted class who could see some time. And I think the other one was the most intriguing pick to me uh, out of their draft. So um you know, sometimes I have to self-edit because I would just want to keep writing and writing and writing. And I'm, I think, no, it's got to be, you, you got to make it so people are going to want to read it and they're not going to be intimidated by the length. So I like, I stopped there. I just did three 
uh, picked out three players to expand on. I probably could have done more, but I was like, yeah, that, that should probably be my limit. Um, but yeah, that's the XFL South. So all the teams in the South division, I'm working on the XFL North division one that will probably be out either tomorrow or Friday. But um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting because as I said, we're in uncharted territory here. We've never had a follow-up draft for a second year, um, you know, and it's, it's how do teams manage their rosters? How are these guys going to fit in? Who's going to come out of these groups to training camp? Because remember, you're only acquiring their rights right now. They're, these are these are not signed contracts or anything like that. So you wonder how many of these players are even going to make it to training camp in January of 2024. So um, this is all all very interesting stuff to me. Very yeah. interesting. I can I can see your interest from the day I met you, uh, Greg. Uh, <laughs> a few years ago now, back before 2020, of course. But it's like, uh, I want to point out that uh, in uh, the DC Defenders has a reporter, Aiden Burke has written some articles about yep. the DC Defenders draft picks as well. And he's, yeah, he's he's another, in fact, he's a young Greg Parks as far as I'm concerned. He loves the player analysis stuff. But you I know find what? myself I find myself with the both of you, Greg and Aiden. I I, I, I'm, I'm, I read it and then I go back to see who wrote it because it's very similar. So I agree yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So lucky for XFL board, we've got some really great writers there. Uh, we'd like more if anyone else is interested in writing it for a team. Yeah, give me a sh- shout. But that that's a little um, promotion for the website. I'm sorry, before that in there. <laughs> But hey, it's, do it's, it. No worries on my end. It's it's like the XFL is feathering their nest for players. It's, it's like they're putting their their hooks into all these young players and just you know. And there's obviously more players on these lists than they're going to be able to put in their rosters. And I think we all know that. But they're it's like they're putting their their dibs on them. That's what it looks like to me. And then of course they released a whole long list of players that were claimed by teams so they're not drafted and they're not um they're, it's like a whole nother uh, list so mm-hmm. they're they're interested in a lot of players that's what it tells me and i think i don't know maybe they don't want the usfl to get interested in them ah there we go but but- maybe the usfl will be interested in them and maybe there'll be a bidding war for them hmm, I, i'm not sure I mean, see that. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the thing to remember, too, is the XFL is expanding their offseason rosters to 90. So we each team drafted 10 players. They signed, and I use the word signed loosely, they claimed, I should say, anywhere from three to seven additional undrafted players. So, you know, on the high end, you've got 17. You add that to 51-ish already on the roster. You know, you're almost up to 70 and we've got a couple more drafts coming up, uh, one in September, maybe another one, maybe in November, uh, maybe a supplemental draft in January. So, um, you know, teams are going to have to to release some guys. There's going to be some guys that go to the NFL. Um, but in training camp, from what I understand and from from hearing the um the call with Doug Whaley and Russ Giglio a couple of weeks ago on inside the league, when they were talking to agents about this rookie draft is they're probably not going to take a full 90 man roster to training camp. You know, they may only take somewhere between 70 and 80. So some of these guys who are drafted or signed as undrafted free agents, as the chips fall throughout the off season, teams may end up looking at their roster going, well, we've got a full 90. We, we got to pare this down. So some of these guys may not actually end up signing contracts or may end up getting released before training camp, which is unfortunate that they're getting released before teams can actually see them on the field. Um, But yeah, it it does seem like they are going the extra mile this year to acquire at least the rights to players in the off season. You know, a lot, a lot of these players, I think they know this. A lot of these players will never see an XFL field, whether it's training camp or, or likewise. And they know that. So they're really packing them in there, but I know I know, Greg, you've done analysis in the past on things like this, like how many players um, that were drafted actually made it on to, uh, uh, to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just actually wrote some articles about the uh, different player, about the how many snaps the draft took and which player positions and which teams actually drafted players that actually took snaps during the regular season. I mean, that's a 
cool analysis, but it basically goes into the whole realm of, yeah, we're drafting all these players, but how many will actually play? And, right. Uh, if you, one of them, I think, um, and I can't, I think it was Arlington, their open phase, you know, they take five, six, seven players in the open phase and only two of the players actually got snaps on in the, right. in the season. So, you know, you're, you're taking risk. The thing with the, this particular list, the rookie draft and uh, the undrafted free agents, um, a lot of these guys are probably not the level that's going to make the NFL. So, you know, some of these guys, some of the drafted guys are going to be, I talked earlier about, you know, the, the turnover of the roster during training camp and guys are getting signed and released every day uh, once training camp starts. And some of these players who were drafted in the rookie draft are going to be a part of that. They're going to end up getting signed to NFL training camp rosters in late July, in August. Um, but a lot of them are kind of a notch below where NFL teams are looking. So a lot of these players, you're, you're seeing the excitement on social media of these players because, you know, they're, they're not NFL caliber players necessarily, but they know that they're going to have an opportunity or potentially an opportunity to play professional football uh, for a living with the XFL. And that's very exciting for a lot of these guys. No yeah. doubt. Now, the question for you guys both, do you know when they're on the rosters in terms of practice squads, are they being paid? I mean, are they receiving a salary? Yes. Uh, during okay. the season on NFL practice squads, yes, they are paid. No, no, no. I'm meaning the XFL. In terms of, uh, of us getting these rookies, are these guys getting paid actual? I, you know, are, I don't oh, you mean during paid. the off season? Yes, yes, yes. No, no, they they have not even signed contracts yet. So understood. Um, the, I I don't think they would start getting paid until they make regular season rosters, uh, as it was last year for training camp. And Mark can correct me if I'm misremembering, but um, they got uh, you know housing paid for them. They got um, meals paid for them uh, during training camp. They didn't actually receive any kind of salary, you know, or anything like that, that, that doesn't start until they, they make the team. So uh, no, these guys are not, they're not under contract yet. So they're not uh, getting paid. Was was there a signing bonus like the 5,000 or something like that? I'm not sure. Don't quote me. I don't recall that. All right. Well, I'll take your word for it. (laughs) You think there would be. No. I would I would agree. You gotta give them something to keep them around, you know. Well, because they have to compete with well the USFL for one and the CFL is another well, one. Well, if you're play. if you're anticipating, let's say seventy, let me take my uh, seventy players uh, signing contracts to go to training camp, and you're giving them a five each one of them a five thousand dollars signing bonus. You're talking about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars just in signing bonus, not on salary yet. So. Well, um, The Rock can just ship a truckload of tequila somewhere and he'll make that much money. $350,000 for The Rock is probably equivalent to five minutes of screen time in his next movie. So right. you think that if any guy could could uh, fork that over. I mean, who knows? Maybe when they get solvent and when they get the ball rolling downhill and they're able to be in the yeah. black and start making money, you know, if the USFL is still around competing with the XFL, maybe that is, and maybe it's from the USFL, maybe the USFL gets solvent and they um, have some extra money lying around. I don't know. And maybe that's something they try to do to incentivize being a part of that league over the other. So uh, there are a lot of tricks of the trade that these leagues can use to um, sweeten the pot, so to speak, and make it worthwhile for, you know, many of these players who were drafted by the XFL were also drafted by the USFL back in February. They haven't signed with the USFL, but a USFL team has their rights. So, you know, these team, these players are going to have to make decisions. Do I officially sign with the USFL and, and wait around till next April to start playing? Or do I, sign with the XFL team that drafted me and go to training camp and get an earlier start. So uh, some of these players will have some decisions to make about where to go. Understood. Understood. I appreciate that guys. Any other insights into this subject? I mean, this is the last thing we're going to discuss. So we're hopping off after this and going to call it. Oh, I could probably keep talking about this uh, for two or three hours, but I don't think we want to hang around that long. So I think I'm good for tonight. Yeah, I appreciate you, know, you it's, guys. It's like the and of course the with all these rookies, I mean, 
sucks to be them because the NFL castoffs will and hit the market as well. And mm-hmm. those are players yep. that were put it that were wanted by NFL rosters at one time. So what caliber are they? So that's always a big one too. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'm it's, curious to see who who rolls our way from the NFL next year. I'm sure right. we'll have quite always, a few. Yeah, it's always exciting to hear that. Well, guys, this has been a fun show. We've been on for about an hour and seven minutes, so I appreciate you guys very much for coming on the first episode. Um, this is Mark and Greg, Mark Nelson and Greg Parks. They are from XFLboard.com. I've uh, been talking about them all season on my podcast, so appreciate you guys finally coming on and making face. I mean, like this is the first time people will see my face also. So <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but, yeah, guys, thank you so much for coming on and just participating. I mean, we love that what you do for the NF- or the XFL. We love how you do it, and just, just keep on keeping on and, and don't, don't stop. The people here, we <laughs> see you. We like you. We love you. Just keep it up, okay? Awesome. Well, thanks for thanks for having us on, Matthew. Really appreciate it. Great to talk yep. to you. Yep. Thanks, you Matthew. Well. It's, yeah, it's great, Matthew. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun, guys. I appreciate it. Um, look for, for Mark and Greg. You guys are always welcome to come on. I'm not going to try to meet weekly until there's actual content to discuss weekly. Uh, you know, it's kind of like beating, beating <laughs> yeah. a dead horse. I mean, probably a good call. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know what? Just go to the beach instead. Hey, <laughs> hey I'm close to it right here. I'm down on yeah. the coast, the coast of Mississippi. Um, most yeah, people don't know there's a coast on Mississippi, but there is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. I appreciate your time greatly. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for us guys at home. Um, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.